Welcome to the Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things podcast. I'm back again recording podcasts after a little break post-COVID-19. And I'm doing that with the people that I have met personally here in Munich. This new podcast name came as a result of a little reflection on the people that I usually host, but also because I think we are all ordinary, yet capable of doing extraordinary things. I like the quote from Tim Ferriss, the author of The 4-Hour Work Week, that says, You don't succeed because you have no weaknesses. You succeed because you find your unique strengths and focus on developing habits around them. In other words, we're all capable of reaching our goals, being successful, helping our communities, and why not creating magic and impacting the world as a whole if we identify our gifts and improve upon them. These conversations are with people who are making, making or working on something interesting or have accomplished great things. We talk about their mission, their passion, and their purpose. And the whole idea behind these conversations is to deconstruct the habits that led them to do what they do, learn from their experience, and give you a direct and indirect insight and actionable steps to pursue your own passions and follow your purpose in this life. This week's podcast is with Benedict a management consultant who is currently pursuing a PhD at RWTH University, where he's also involved in building the new flagship startup program. Benedict works with exceptional deep tech teams from around Europe, helping them get to market and raise capital. He enjoys helping and coaching startups on their way from idea to market and helps them to find solutions to their most pressing issues. Together with his team, they are creating a Europe-leading university-based incubation program where deep tech startups find the resources and support they need to excel and be successful. I met Benedict through a mutual friend, and after a few exchanges, we decided to record our conversation as I thought that many of you will find interest in what he's working on. So without further ado, here's our recording. Okay, we are online. We are recording. Um, Benny, how are you doing today? Hi, Driss. Uh, good. Very good. Long day, short day. We, I know we're recording a little bit at the end of the day. And uh, myself, I had a long one, uh, at least 12 hours work today. How about you? Yeah, same here. I had a pretty packed day. Um, it was a combination of following my research on my PhD, but also um, working on uh, our incubation program from Avitea University. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it was a good day. Uh, all working from home or are you working from the office? No, I'm currently working from uh, the BCG office, um, my still current employer, so I can mm -hmm. use the facil facilities here for my work. That's nice. Not so. Not everyone went back to the office. I actually envy you for that. I think there's colleagues around and there's interaction. Um, working from home can be also nice, but not always that fun when you're working alone. Yes, I totally agree. Uh, mm. I, I usually try to iterate like one week at home and one week in the office. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's nice in the office to, to be able to socialize again and, and talk to your colleagues. Mm. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a good atmosphere here. 
Okay, well, let's dive straight into it. Like, can you tell me a little bit more about the PhD program that you're doing? I know about the incubator program a little more, but PhD, I'm not sure we talked about that before. Yes, sure. So basically I started my PhD in 2019 um, at the entrepreneurship chair at RWTH University in Aachen. Um, and the topic I'm looking at is um, basically how startup teams function. So what makes startup teams successful? How do they interact? Um, and how do they derive decisions? And what consequences can this have on, on the individual and on, on the team? Um, that's, that's basically on the research part. And besides the research part, I'm also working half time for the university and in particular for the, the startup center of the university where um, we have quite big ambitions to create a, a good startup ecosystem um, for founders and, and startups that, that want to accelerate what they're doing at, at the moment. That's pretty niche with, um, with the PhD uh, topic that you're doing. How did you come uh, up with um, this topic in the first place? Did you see a need? Were you uh, working on a startup before, doing an internship with them? or? How did you come up with that? Yeah, so I was always interested in entrepreneurship and uh, what it is like what what makes successful founders. But um, on the particular topic that I now write about, so this was a process that developed uh, during the time at the chair already. And when I started there, I um, started to work immediately at the startup center, um, and we just recently received a grant of. Uh, more than 20 million euros to develop something big in Aachen. And wow, okay. um, I got the task to build up um, an incubation program, which was supposed to be the new flagship program of AWTH Aachen, of our university for startups. Um, so we thought, okay, what, what do we need to create to build a cool program out of basically uh, from scratch? Um, so we, we piloted basically uh, uh, a short version of the program and pretty much quickly realized that helping um, startups accelerate and grow is a very personal matter. Um, and you need to be involved with the startups um, deeply, coach them in a one-on-one -on -one interaction um, and understand their needs. What I also realized is that uh, how do we select the best teams for these programs is it's a very individual and a very personal personal thing to do and great startups are basically great individuals and a great team that that builds a startup so i thought let's combine those worlds and let's look from a research perspective what constitutes great startup teams and that's basically how i dove into my my setup my my research topic mm, very interesting and just so you're leading this research topic with other teammates or on your own or with um, a professor or everyone? So um, we, I'm doing it together with, uh, with my research buddy, Anjan. Um, so we are two. Hmm. And uh, we basically thought about how can we structure our work um, to, to, to create a, um, you know, interesting questions that are both interesting for the research community as well as for the um, for practitioners and for founders themselves. Um, so yeah, we, we are two two people working on this, and we have support of uh, by now I think it's eight 
eight students actually um, who are writing their master theses with us. So we are we are ten people in total. Okay, well, it's a big team, decent decent number of people involved. Are the startup owners and the founders are are they aware or actually of those uh, challenges and difficulties? Um, and how how they can function to become better founders and better startups? Are they aware of these issues, or are you planning on actually making them more aware of them? Well, I think there's things startups are uh, founders are aware of, and the things they're not aware of. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's a mixed bag. Uh, in general, what I observed um, is that basically founders are overwhelmed all the time. Um, there's so much things they need to develop. They need to develop a product from scratch. They need to develop a sound business uh, model. Uh, they need to be able to talk to investors, uh, raise money. So there's constant challenges they need to uh, deal with. Um, so it's, it's, it's a very uh, exciting uh, endeavor what founders are in with many ups and downs. Um, and a big debate that came up is basically the whole debate on stress, uh, quality of life, work-life balance, also at entrepreneurs. Um, I think started in the Silicon Valley even, um, that there were a lot of founders or people working in startups that, that got burned out from all those ups and downs that, that come with that journey. Um, so I think there is awareness, yes. Um, but I think there is not really a detailed understanding what could be mechanisms that lead to those feelings of stress or of um you know burnout in the end as a as a as a, as a sincere consequence in the end i see okay and you mentioned uh, in the video that you shared with me a few weeks ago um, that your your vision is to be the largest european tech incubator um how are you planning on doing that um yeah so it's it's a very bold big vision um how this is it was, how it should be right <laughs> yeah it was actually um i think it, it came from two people it came from the um um from our professor from our head of the uh, of the startup center in aachen professor Marte brettel who said we need to, if you want to make something significant here we need to you know, be relevant in Europe with a program that attracts the best talent from all around Europe. So if we really, you know, spend, like you have this huge amount of funds and want to kind of accelerate the problem, let's aim for greatness, right? And, and let's be a relevant dot on the map um, because there's an abundance of accelerator and incubator and startup programs out there. So we really aim for something great here, right? Um, that was the first step. And the second step is, okay, what does it really mean to become the biggest tech, uh, tech uh, uh, incubator? The, the biggest tech incubator, sorry, yeah, the, the biggest tech incubator in Europe. Um, so we, we, we thought deeply about this and basically we are focusing on the strengths of the RWTH University and we, we want to develop something that is um, basically comes from the heritage of RWTH University, which is a very deep and thorough technical understanding in, in, in deep tech fields uh, and in the, in the strongholds of, of our university. So what we create at the moment is a program that provides deep tech founders that really 
work on uh, deeply technological topics, um, access to uh, the RWTH landscape, to the professors, to the engineers, um, to get you know advice on the technologies, but also we provide them access to um, all the labs, the infrastructure, um, the machines, and so on. So they can basically we help them develop their products in the end. Um, and that's our vision. So we want to make uh, create an, uh, basically a nucleus of, uh, of engineers and of founders who want to build great startup spaces and technologies. And how are they doing it right now, those other startups? If we want to go to a little bit of a comparison of what you guys are creating and planning on having and what is actually already available out there. Yeah, so um, I think in Germany we have a history, basically that the biggest startup um, hub at the moment in Germany is in Berlin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and my observation is that it was a very e-commerce driven development. Um, so a lot of business models that were developed uh, here in the past that you know uh, were successful and got a lot of media attention, they were all you know, things like Zalando or Mr. Specs um, uh, and came often also from the rocket internet in the end. Um, but we didn't see so many tech, really deep tech startups yet uh, that successfully managed to accelerate uh, in Germany. Um, I think we, we started to seeing this now. Um, there's great startups coming, for instance, from Munich. Um, Unternehmer, Unternehmertum is doing since 20 years an amazing job. But I strongly believe there's way too little um, that, that comes out of our excellent research facilities here in Germany. Uh, and we want to help uh, to establish that. I see. Okay. Well, that makes sense. What about the uh, challenges? Challenges right now for you guys to um, move forward with this, to take it to the next level? Yeah, so I think one challenge is to, to get on the map and be visual for founders. So we are currently pushing strongly um, to um, get publicity, basically, and uh, um, be, that, that stars found us uh, and they, uh, they, they, they see the, the power of things that we are offering in Aachen. That's one. Um, the second is obviously um, to set all this up because to provide startups from all around Europe access to laboratories, experts, uh, technologies that are available at our university landscape and within the 50,000 people that are basically on campus in Aachen, um, you need to coordinate with a lot of people. So um, for sure, a challenge is to basically create smooth processes and smooth access points for startups to uh, kind of be able to access the power that, that that's available at our university. And you have access or a hand on those small, smooth um, processes. Because when you talk about smooth processes here, and uh, the only the first thing I think of, which may be me projecting my own uh, challenges into it, which is the administrative part of setting up, uh, setting things up as a startup yeah. founder. Are, are you referring to these also, or were you referring to something else? Yeah, so, well, I was more looking at it from a program perspective, right? You're talking okay. about 
a startup perspective. And I think there's plenty of challenges you as a startup face and uh, that require coaching, how to set up your company, what a form of legal legislation should you choose, um, where do you get the money from and so on, obviously. Yeah. Um, the challenge that I was referring to is how we set up a, a program that's successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what, maybe to make it more clear on an example, let's say there's a startup that uses AI to do um, to do automatic image recognition from MRI uh, images, right? What they u- need for that, um, MRI is the, the um, this device that takes picture of your body, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to kind of improve um, such a product that's, that costs millions for, for hospitals to, to have, um, you need access to this device. So what we try to do in Aachen is give startups this access to devices like this, that they can use the data that comes from medical devices like this to build products that improve an MRI system um, and you know, help people in the end. Okay, makes sense. Very clear and specific right now. So when it comes to then um, success of this project, what are you, how would you measure that this project um, is or becoming successful? So I think um, it's a very good question. And I think it's multiple perspectives to this. I think the easiest way to measure it is basically um, revenues and funding amounts of startups, right? Um, there will be an, the economic answer to this. Um, so how many startups are we able to um, support in our programs? And what is the total impact in terms of revenue in terms of raised funding of those startups. I think that's a quantifiable uh, number you can can use. But I think Mm -hmm. also another perspective that's super important is how many students and entrepreneurs do we help to grow personally and develop their careers? And I think that's a much more soft factor, um, but it's equally important because we are still an educational institution. um, So we we also have the task to kind of implement the seed that entrepreneurship is an interesting avenue for students besides the, the classical um, career paths that that uh, companies offers to the students, right? So I think we have both these hard figures that we should aim for, but also um, help people grow. And this is quite um, uh, interesting, which is also leading to the next question, which is, um, I'm thinking here, what makes uh, founders successful? How do they consider themselves successful? I guess you have friends who are founders or you've been working close to founders and startup owners. How do you think they measure their success besides the numbers and the financial part? Yeah. So I think this is a very individual um, thing. And it basically comes back to my research. It's, it's funny, we're closing the loop a little bit. Um, so I, basically what research says about this is that there's different types of entrepreneurial identities and different things. So basically, we all know that people are different. And this also comes placed down at in entrepreneurship. Um, and if you look for uh, from like this um, research perspective, that basically um, it was clearly shown that there is not one type of entrepreneur. It's different types. And those different types 
they define success differently and they also draw motivation from different things, right? Um, so it can be that for one person, the success is defined by being better than competition and earning lots of money. Mm -hmm. But that Does doesn't necessarily needs to be, it's called, in, in research terms, it's called Darwinian type, right? Darwinian type, okay. Yeah, like the, the biologists. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, that's not that's not 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 true for all entrepreneurs. It's not all for all entrepreneurs just about money. There's also a different on the other uh, spectrum. Uh, we call a missionary type. Um, that's much more. They want to advance the world, and they draw the energy from pushing for things that have a large impact on society. And it doesn't necessarily need to be rewarding for them financially, but they just want to advanced society, right? Um, so you can see that I think it, it, it boils down to the individual. Like more purpose-oriented? Like more um, mission and purpose-oriented in that sense of like impact in the world, saving um, uh, people, um, making bigger impact in that sense? Yes, you can see this that way, yeah. Oh. Okay. And then, then, the, I think then the third also, profile, right? Yeah, there's a third profile. And the, the third profile um, in research terms, again, is called communitarian. Um, mm. And this is um, someone who is um, focusing on his immediate surroundings, right? Um, you know, one example could be, for instance, uh, our common friend, Zara Brun, right? Who um, mm. built a startup that helps refugees to find um, employment. and I think this is amazing because she's really helping a need that she saw in Germany and is trying to help those people into employment and does this with, with the local companies that are around here. Uh, and uh, people who are motivated rather by this um, um, have such an identity, they draw the energy from helping people in the immediate surrounding, right? Um, and I think the three types I just mentioned, they're very stereotypically stereotypical and there's obviously also you know mixed versions of this but still it shows you that success is not the same thing for everybody right you i learned from this that you need to reflect for yourself what you believe is success for you and then strive for this because otherwise in the end you will become unhappy oh, totally but what is it that makes them actually successful so besides the um technical knowledge or the passion for the topics that they're working on. What do you think? Uh, and is there any research about that topic? So I believe basically it's what you, what kind of ambition level you set for yourself, right? So I think there's one kind of the ambition perspective. Okay, where do you want to be? What do you want to achieve, right? Um, is it you want to get rich or is it that you want to develop this amazing device that um, helps people to find things on the internet? Um, or is it something else, right? And if you achieve that, that's great. Um, but I think also there's a process perspective to this where uh, do you enjoy, um, and does it give you energy the way, like the, the, pro, the, the, the way towards this goal, right? And I think both things are super important. And uh, as I said before, I believe it's, it's individual. You have to set the goals that you want to achieve for yourselves. Uh, and then you need to choose a way to this, towards this goal that, that's, 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 that's feasible for you. 
um, and balance, you know, how you want to work on this professionally, how you involve your family on this way, how you interact mm. with your friends, right? It's, it's, I think it's a very individual thing. Do you have in mind somebody that you um, not look up to necessarily, but somebody that you respect and admire and um, uh, following closely, maybe who is very successful? And then if we can take that person without necessarily mentioning their name and can break down what they do or did that made them as successful as they are right now? Uh, yeah, so I think... Um... One is that they, they they set for them kind of a, a goal, right? And a, an ambition where they strive towards. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't need to be, you know, that it is 20-year goal. I think it's rather, you know, kind of a, a bigger vision where to strive to and then break it down into smaller chunks that is, you know, more realistic and more tangible for you to achieve, really. Um, that's one. I think the second what I admire is that that person... Um, still able to balance his life in a way that that makes him happy right um, so uh, he he is really good in what he's doing professionally um, has his goal in mind and works on this constantly but still is there for his friends is there for his family um, is there for his children uh, um, so um That's for me really success, right? Because he himself is happy and the people around him are also happy. Um, but he still manages to, to work on things that he, he's passionate about. Right. Well, this is very valuable, actually. So it's a, a goal and vision, breaking it down to small chunks and also uh, being very good technically and professionally at what he does, but also make time for, um, uh, for having balance, like being happy outside of work, also being present to his family and his friends yeah yeah this is uh this is a good one um now um you guys as an incubator uh, i believe you offer uh coaching you offer all kind of support beside the technical uh, side uh, could you talk to me a little bit about that sort of support that you offer so i think this can be also appealing and um help position you as a um Uh, incubator uh, differently from other uh, incubators, I believe. Yeah. Okay. So maybe we start with what? Well, that's your typical startup that starts in the program, right? It's it's typically um, so I can take one. Uh, it's called HBox, right? That's one startup that's in our program. And what they did is they uh, there was a a team and particularly one guy who worked on this in his PhD on a device that helps you get CO2 in intoxication out of your blood, right? That's okay. basically when you're in a, in a burning house, um, your, your blood is intoxicated from the steams and you need to filter this out. And the current processes that are used in hospitals are quite expensive and complex and um, it takes time to them apply them to you. And there he was doing his, uh, basically in, he studied and then he did his uh, PhD for more than I think five to six years to research a better approach to solve this problem, right? And then he found this is, what he found out was amazing and he got a really a lot of awards and all his research communities and so on. And he said, okay, I want to found something out of this and create a med tech company um, that, uh, that, that can be successful on the market, right? So he assembled a team 
and then I helped them throughout the process. In the beginning, it was about applying for so-called EXIST, um, which is a public funding in Germany, uh, where you you get get money to to spin out technologies from universities and bring them to market. Um, so we helped them with this. It was the first step, and after he, they received. Uh, this team received that money. It was 1 million euros, which was good. Um, then they joined the incubation program, right? So now have in mind, we have a team of three entrepreneurs, one first employee, and 1 million euros of uh, public funding on the bank account. Mm -hmm. And they, start now, they now start into the incubation program. Um, that's the framing. And what we then do in this incubation program is uh, you can structure it along... Um, I would say six pillars, right? Um, first, we do one-on-one -on -one coaching. So each team gets one coach who uh, deeply tries to understand the needs of the teams and try to help them um, in different areas, not just the, the, the coach won't be the expert on everything, but he just tries to connect the dots, provide connections to the right people and coach them on the things that the coach has expertise on. The second is every team gets a mentor so uh, usually an experienced serial founder who went through the ups and downs and challenges before and can mm -hmm. provide practical advice to the teams. Um, third is we do um, um, workshops with the teams with outside teachers. Um, this can be um, the managing director of a venture capital fund. It can be a partner from a legal firm who advises on legal topics. It can be a founder who talks about his uh, learnings in the process. Um, and today, for instance, we had one workshop with the German Accelerator talking to the teams about internationalization. So when and how to best approach if you want to enter the US, for instance, right? Mm -hmm. That's the third. Mm -hmm. um, the fourth is uh, we provide the teams access uh, to a working space so they can uh, sit there for free in a co-working space and there's also tools they can use. Um, fifth, we provide them access to our corporate network and we want to encourage them to, um, uh, since most teams of ours are B2B teams, uh, we encourage them to, to strive for so-called proof-of-concept projects with, with corporations, so as customers through our network. And the sixth thing, and um, that's what, what I referred from the beginning, number six is we partner with um, entrepreneur-friendly professors and institute of our university and provide our teams access to those professors, to the engineers, and to the infrastructure that's available um, at our technical university so they can get expert advice on their product and do experiments or work um, on um, work on their product in, in those facilities. So coming back to the startup, I mentioned HBOX in the beginning. Um, since they come from the university, they, within our program, they still have access to the labs and they, they use the university hospital and the facilities to do their testings and uh, run currently through the approval process to get their medical device to the market. Okay, it seems like a I think very a comprehensive answer, but I hope it uh, answered your question. Yeah, very comprehensive uh, program that you are offering. Uh, yes, I, I went through all the six points and. Um, um, very interesting. How do you actually um, see yourself in uh, in a few years from now, or uh, when you say when you are done with a uh, PhD? 
what kind of position would be taken in all this? Um, so you see, you mean for myself? Yeah, for yourself. Um, I don't know yet, honestly. It's um, I, I'm open for for different things. Um, I, I currently very much enjoy uh, coaching uh, teams and helping them grow. It's it's a it, it gives me a lot of joy to do that. Um, and in future, I, I I can see different things. I um, I can be doing, but I realized that you know entrepreneurship could be a path for myself, um, and I, I feel that I, I want to make some sort of impact in this world. Um, but what it exactly will be, uh, I don't know yet. Do you know which uh, profile you will have of the three profiles you mentioned earlier? Um, no, it's 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 hard for me to to figure this out right now. Right? It's um, mm -hmm. I think everything. In the end, I wouldn't uh, come from that perspective. I would rather come from perspective. Okay, what do I feel um, is something that is needed, right, in the world, mm -hmm. um, where people feel that this is something that's useful for them, and um, and then I would try to 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 target this, and then be it by an existing product and, and packaging it differently, or um, building a new product for this, um, I think both are interesting ways. Um, but I, I would always try to focus on 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 the users and the customers in the end. Mm -hmm. Okay, is this what you actually um, saw yourself doing when you were as a, when you were a kid? Like, um, I mean, we all been there sometime thinking and daydreaming about having some uh, some kind of job in the future when we were ten or eleven. What were yeah. your vision back then? I I don't really I don't know I was when I was young I was highly focused on on sports so I was uh -huh. uh, semi professionally playing volleyball ah volleyball okay um, and besides that I was doing all kinds of sport tennis uh, ski racing even and stuff like that um, so I, I when I was young I wanted to become a professional sportsman <laughs> um, okay so not really an entrepreneur but um, did you compete what yeah, I was competing on even on international level in volleyball. Mm. Well, I guess there are some uh, uh, transferable skills from that um, that period of life that can be transferred actually to professional life for sure. Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, I think one of the biggest learnings during my uh, adult, like into my younger ages, was in sports, uh, where you learn to socialize, what teamwork really means, and how a team sticks together and so um, the, I 100% I agree that you can learn tons from sports. Mm -hmm. Was there anybody that influenced your life uh, a lot back then? I don't know, a parent or some, some, some public figure or some other athlete or some team member or maybe even the coach back then? Yeah, so I think coaches definitely, they all brought different things to me um, about uh, perseverance, discipline, um, hard work and teamwork and so on. I think um, my family had a really big part in my life in shaping who I am today. Uh, I'm from a half German, half Czech household um, where I learned Czech from my mom and my grandma when I was young and was educated in two languages. Um, and my mom, I think, also influenced me quite a lot. She uh, uh, always told me to uh, do the best in everything I'm doing. Um, she told me that if I try hard enough, uh, everything is possible. 
uh, and encouraged me to to um, yeah be bold and do things and get out of my comfort zone. Right? She she sent me when I was fourteen, for instance, to South Africa on a, on a student exchange. I was still young and green behind my ears and everything. And, uh, she said, "Hey, this is a good thing for you. Just try it out." Um, yeah, and uh, so I'm thankful for my mom for. Uh, pushing me always. Yeah. What was the challenging part about that in South Africa? I mean, I guess different people, different <clears throat> different experiences, right? And different places as well. And uh, your luck and where you landed. But um, so can you recall what was challenging back then? Is it like being far from the norms that you are used to, far from family or um, the language maybe? Yeah, so... Um... I was basically, um, I was the, I remember, so I basically I was following the footsteps of my brother. He was there already before and I really want to go as well because my brother did it, so I want to do it as well, right? Um, but it was just a complete different environment. So I was, um, I was living in a very, in an amazing uh, uh, black family in, in Johannesburg, um, which was, uh, I was the f- one of the few exchange students from Germany who lived in a, in a black family, not in a, in a white family, um, which was amazing for me because it was a completely different culture. I, I got along very well with them. I better understood their, uh, like their culture. They, they took me to, um, to the townships in, in Johannesburg where both were participating, um, uh, working as doctors, um, uh, I got to meet uh, the, the, all the relatives, the families, and so on. And for me, this was just this realization of, hey, it's not just you know what I experienced in Germany. There's so much more in this world. Um, so many more colorful cultures and and people out there. Uh, it was uh, a big milestone in my life, I would say. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> do you um, do you right now face? Um, but actually, the question is that I want to ask you is like, how do you right now face challenges? How do you manage emotions? What do you do if you have a process or you just uh, know your way around them unconsciously? We have challenging uh, times at work or uh, in personal life. What's your approach? Um, <laughs> you're asking a lot of questions on different angles. I, I like it. Um, so... Uh, I, I try to break it down somehow. Um, so I, if things are challenging, for instance, when I start at, at the Boston Consulting Group into consulting, right, you, you get thrown on a project and things seem very big and, and intimidating. Um, what I learned quickly is that with a good team and kind of thinking it through how to break down a problem into digestible pieces, then you can, um, then you can work it out. Um, I think that's one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, the second uh, would be to basically believe in yourself, uh, uh, in your in your strengths, that uh, you you can do it if you put in the work and if you uh, work hard enough on it. Um, that's maybe the second. And the third would be to just also find a good um, good balance between the things you do uh, that ways you can release some of the. The, the pressure or the stress that you have to do still sports, be still with your friends, uh, right? So like not make your whole life dependent on this one task mm-hmm. that you're facing. Mm-hmm. 
Well, these are extremely mm -hmm. valuable points for me. Like this is something to take note of for the people who are listening because they could be um, they could be tested outside from other people who um, don't have a specific clear approach or process. It's very nice. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, uh, these days, how do you organize your days to be uh, efficient? Uh, I mean, I guess there's a lot to juggle with. Your uh, actual work, your part-time job at the uni, and the, uh, the, the, the projects that you're working on, um, personal life, sports. Um, do you uh, compartmentalize everything or do you prioritize? How do you come close to... Um, having that balance if there is any balance yeah so hmm, it's uh, uh I, I, what i try is not to be too much like a machine right i think uh, mm. the work environment navigates you to become a machine a little bit um but i think there's more than just being super efficient i think that's also like a part of just relax and, and having fun so it's, uh, for me it's a little bit a mix um but i uh, i try to basically have a structured day to start with, right? Uh, try to set yourself boundaries, start at nine, try to end at six or so. Um, uh, I try to prioritize things like sports uh, three to four times a week that in the mornings or after work. Um, I try to time box things, so kind of set time limits to things you wanna do and then get them done, get them done within those time uh, boxes. Uh, I try to schedule a lot of things in the calendar to um, kind of um, not jungle too many things in my head, but have them written down in the end. Um, but then I think also it's super important to just have off time where you don't schedule and where you just, you know, do what you feel in the moment is, is right for you. So you have a structured approach to life, more dominant structured approach, and the rest you can also relax and take it easy and have it spontaneous. Yes, a little bit. So I try to, when it's work, to be structured and when it's, it's free time to be a little bit more, you know, relaxed. If I go on vacation, for instance, I just like to jump in a car and then drive without having booked a hotel or something uh, and then see where you end up. Um, so maybe it's a little bit um, polarized approach, right? Structure your work and then uh, be flexible in your private life. Yeah, that, that's often a challenge for people who are too structured. Sometimes they have a hard time to relax during vacation and take it uh, more slow. Um, yeah. But okay. Uh, is, was there, uh, I mean, uh, the question I want to ask is like, how did you learn that? But sometimes we don't know specifically how we learn it. It's just based on experience and uh, um, what we have been exposed to. But are there any books you would recommend on that uh, topic of structure or other books that are not as easily on the topic of structure that could help people um, uh, get to where they want to be when it comes to business or tech or other topics that you find interesting? Yes, so actually one book I liked, it's, it's a little bit a technical book, but it's called, uh, it's from Minto. I don't recall the title right now. It's the, basically how to think in a structured way, which I found very appealing. Um, um, uh, so that's something I can recommend. I can look up okay. the, the title and then uh, read, uh, you know, share it with you afterwards. Okay. Uh, another book I really like is Sapiens. Uh, yes, I love that one. Explains yeah. everything and the history of everything. Mm -hmm. um, and the book I'm currently reading, I haven't finished it yet, but it's um, from the founder of Ni uh, Nike, Phil Knight, mm -hmm. um, Shoe Dog. It's basically his yeah. biography about how he founded Nike. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's very in a very intimate book about his you know thoughts and feelings and ups and downs, and not so staged as uh, you might read in many other books. Okay. No, and I think the last that one I haven't can, read it yet. Yeah, I can really recommend it. It's um, it's a really good book, and he. Uh, he basically takes you on his whole journey from a very personal perspective, which is uh, highly interesting because he's not uh, not leaving out kind of the bits of, bits of the journey that we're struggling or he's just very authentic, I believe, in the book. Yeah. Okay, I'll definitely put it on the list. Okay. Well, we, we're coming close to um, the end of this conversation, but I of course, hope we will have a lot of other conversations off the mic and off recording in the near future when we both have and find the best times for that. But I just wanted to check with you um, if there are other things um, that you would like to share and if there is something or somewhere where people who are listening could f- and are, that are interested into um, entrepreneurship and uh, the startup world and specifically the tech um, uh, word um, can follow, can learn, can um, can see what you're up to, and also maybe even sign up if they have some ideas to to pitch. Um, yes, for sure. Um, uh, actually, there's two major events coming up that uh, that I would invite anyone who's listening to to, to join. Uh, one is our big um, entrepreneurship conference. It's called Artec X. Um, at the end of October, 29th and 30th of October, um, taking place digitally. Um, so if you type into your browser artech-x.de, um, you will find this event. And there's really cool speakers, uh, people like Jan Frodeno, who is a world champion in triathlons, and then a lot of Frank Thiel, which you might know from Die uh, Hürde der Löwen, startup show in Germany. Um, uh, and it's a, it's a cool um, conference where you meet founders, startups, successful people, um, and uh, can kind of learn in that environment. That's one. Okay. And mm-hmm. the second would be um, you're recruiting for batch two of our incubation program, which starts in January, and applications actually close beginning of November. Um, so if you're a startup or founder who works on uh, tech, deep tech topics, uh, check us out. Um, just type into Google Avatar uh, Aachen Incubation Program. Um, and I encourage you highly to apply. Okay. I will definitely share these links. But just a quick question then. Um, who are you targeting specifically? Are you targeting also people who are outside of Germany or only specifically in Germany? German speaking, okay. English speaking, doesn't matter. So um, we, we basically target uh, startups from all around Europe. Right, so there's no relocation required um, to take part in our program. It's it's a hybrid model. So there is certain events, three or four, that uh, require you to be personally uh, there. Um, for instance, we do a kickoff event. Um, if Corona allows, we might go to a mountain hut uh, where we kind of bring all the founders together and do like a two three day retreat jointly. Um, but then a lot of elements can be done digitally. Um, so that's why there's no relocation required and we invite any startup uh, to apply. Okay, excellent. Right, Benny, this has been very, very nice. Um, I thank you very much for taking the time for um, for this uh, conversation. I know we are all busy and um, sometimes hard to find the best times for that. And I you know it's a little bit late now. 
So I thank you very much for making the time and sharing with us all the um, projects that you're working on. I find this very interesting myself and I'll be following closely what are you guys up to and uh, definitely sharing that with the, the people that follow my work. Excellent. Tris, thank you so much for uh, all the interesting questions. It was, a, it was a good journey with you today. My pleasure. Anytime. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. I wish you a good evening. All right. Bye-bye. That's it for today's conversation. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the key insights that we shared on this podcast interview. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button if you didn't subscribe yet and head to my website, thebodyandmindcoach.com slash blog to find exclusive articles about various personal and professional development topics. And finally, if you are an athlete or a business professional who's looking for help to advance your career and navigate through whatever challenges that you may be facing to win your game, or if you are a corporate organization who would like to offer their team a workplace well-being workshop, or if you are a sports team who's looking at unlocking their full potential, go to my website, thebodyandmindcoach.com, scroll to the bottom and hit the contact button and reach out. Thank you and enjoy your day.